Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev, episode number 67. Chris, 67 is a lucky prime. Do you know what that means? I do not. I just read the Wikipedia page on lucky primes, <laughs> and neither do I. I, I, think, I think it has to do with, it's like a shortcut for finding primes. You, you like, it's a sieve method, and you start by eliminating every number divisible by two, and then every number divisible by three, but then I don't understand how that's different than just calculating what the primes are. I, eh. It's a lucky prime. <laughs> All right, great. Yeah, there might cool. be. I bet there's like a number file video about it or something. Uh, number file has some great uh, videos about prime numbers. That's what I should have watched before <laughs> saying this interesting fact. Uh, how you doing? How, how's your week go? Uh, I am doing all right. Um, yeah, uh, had a pretty productive week. We did co-working again, so I got a lot of uh, stuff for Acorn Chat done, the Slack app I'm building, and uh, the the Kaggle essay competition finished up. Um, yeah, that's what I did. Let's dig into both of those. How did the essay competition go? I think we were looking hopeful. Had your international team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a neat team. We were spread out uh, all across the the globe, which is kind of neat. Um, and it it ended up we dropped some places. The the competition at the end was really uh, fierce, I guess is the word to use. Uh, so we ended up in thirty first place out of it was out of two thousand. So like oh. know, we're, we're top one and a half percent. Yeah. Um, but still not uh gold range is like top one percent so we ended up in a okay. silver range uh no money or anything like that uh it was kind of it was like really frustrating at the end because like everything we tried was just like didn't help at all <laughs> and mm. so uh yeah and but the um like we talked about the winners like sort of posted their solutions like all the top 10 teams did basically mm. and uh they had some really neat ideas that we hadn't thought about so next time i will try i'll try those can you break down in layman's terms what they were doing that you weren't? Yeah. So one of the things is, um, so what we were doing is for the essay, we were getting like a, basically a per token, which is like a word can be one, two or three or more tokens. Um, so a per token guess at to what, as to which category that token belonged to. Okay. And then we were doing some sort of manual, um, well, automatic, like automatic rules, but manually, um, trying to figure out how to break the, and so you get entire phrases, which are classes. So like, mm -hmm. you know, if you have this string of words together, then that's this particular class. Um, and we tried to, we had a few attempts at using some automatic, like more neural network kind of things to do that. Um, and it turns out that the, the top teams just got that working better. So, um, for example, one of the things the top teams did is like we only allowed every token to belong to one class or another, um, but they really lowered that threshold way down. And so like you could have many uh, a token belonging to many different classes and then they, mm. they used a network on top of that to predict whether that was true or false. And so like they used an initial big network to be like, these are the top you know three classes say, broke mm. those into phrases. And then for the whole phrase, they fed that into a network to say, you know, is this correct or not? Oh, clever. Okay, so yeah. you were you were stopping at for this token, which can be some group of words. Is that fixed? Is it like one, two, or three words? No, sorry, a to uh, word can be one, two, or three or more tokens. So, oh, okay. Yeah, like so don't. The word don't is usually right. two tokens. It's do and then an apostrophe T. That's okay, two different okay. tokens. Yeah. Okay, so you were you were going from tokens, uh, and a word has many tokens. You were you were trying to classify each token as to what it could be and you only got one answer for what yep. token that could be and then so now you're looking at a list of all of the tokens in the essay and what it could possibly be and then on and then your method was try to cluster that so yeah. an apostrophe t is associated with uh <laughs> a proving statement the statement that uh, is, yep. is proven a fact and so are these three other tokens that are within this sentence. And so, okay, we can probably cluster that whole sentence into that this sentence is going to be uh, proving a fact. And the winning team didn't just store what the most likely classification was for each token. They stored, well, it could be any of these four things. And then the next layer on top of that was, here is a list of all the tokens with their weighted probabilities of what part of the essay they could be. Um do a little bit more computer machine learning to figure out like, okay, well, NFT could be proving a statement, but it could also be citing a reference. Um, 
and oh look at that actually you know within this uh sentence there's uh you know uh yes the first place categorization is we're proving a fact uh but the second place for all of these tokens is we're citing a reference so actually it's much more accurate if, if this sentence is citing a reference is that right yep that's roughly how it worked yeah cool how interesting nice well you, you learned a new technique for how to uh classify this sort of thing um i say this almost every time but like what you're doing is amazing <laughs> You're building a brain and you're competing with other people for who can build the brain the best. Like this is sci-fi stuff we're living in the future. So cool. Uh, you mentioned also that you got silver, which sounds really good, uh, but you sounded kind of disappointed. Is there a, <laughs> is there a deeper meaning to getting silver? Uh, so, so the um, metals are a, like, you need a certain number of metals to get certain ranks. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and so there's actually by getting this silver, I will now have two golds, a silver and a bronze on Kaggle, which means my rank goes from expert to master. So that's kind of neat. Um, Congratulations. Anything, really. Master but, of a shard. But uh, it means I'm going to start calling you master. <laughs> that's right. But the rank that actually matters is grandmaster. So if you get okay. five golds, then you get grandmaster. Okay. And that's when like companies start paying attention and like, it, it like starts to matter more so like people gotcha. actually put on their resumes that they're okay all well, competitions grandmaster gotcha gotcha um, are the matters. rankings between master and grandmaster nope that's it so okay i'm not, a master like, and I need, okay master pretty good nope master. nope so okay. i need yeah so i was really hoping to get a gold because then i would only need two more golds now i need three more golds still yeah um, yeah which is hard so yeah yeah we're looking good still for the watershed uh water equivalency project yeah the right? snow water competition yeah that's in evaluation phase until june or something um okay. yeah so i'm in, currently in fifth place um which is would would get me money so yeah. hopefully but sixth place is only like it's like 0.1 behind me which is very close so <laughs> it could be yeah it could go in either way um i also i spent a whole day trying to um I created a, basically a paper, like an eight-page eight like document explaining what I did and like mm -hmm. where the errors are and all that stuff um, as part of it as well because that's like a separate part of this competition is they want papers explaining it mm -hmm. um, because they actually want to implement a solution. Um, and so there are separate prizes for the top three papers, basically. And um, so, yeah, only 16 teams, I think, submitted a paper okay. um, out of the 33 that were able to. Um, so like the like the the... 33 that are in this evaluation phase were able to submit a paper and only 16 did so yeah i have a okay. three out of 16 shot at getting some money for that too so it's pretty good uh this is a much smaller group and you said you need to be in the top one percent to get gold if you're if you're in the top five do you get gold this is on a different competition platform so there's no uh, okay. there's no ranking points or anything okay. yeah so it's just whether you get money or not okay yeah. this is not kaggle right got it got it got it okay neat well i look forward to you being a grandmaster on Kaggle, <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah, um, hopefully. Cool. You mentioned also Slack stuff. I yep. am intimately familiar with exactly what you've been up to on Slack. Uh, but uh, I, when, when I was writing this time for Fire Linux, I think I said this last week too. Like on the course of a of a Pomodoro or a day, it doesn't feel like I get that much done. But then looking back over the last week, I'm like, wow, that that was a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff got done. Uh, so what's what's the high level week summary for what you got done on Slack this last week? Yeah, I am I'm close to getting a Slack that I or a Slack app that I can put in the Slack app store. So Amazing. I am uh, today I finished up all the billing rough edges. So like you can cancel your account and you can there's like a 30 day free trial in the in my app and it warns you properly. You know when you're uh, over that and things like that. Um, I am still I'm pushing off. So, for example, I don't have e automated emails or any messages that go out, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because it's going to be even if I got it done tomorrow, it'll be 30 days before anyone, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, has one of those emails go out. So I can push that yeah. off a little bit. Um, yeah, but I just have I have a few I have a few I have really boring stuff to do. <laughs> like I need to create a terms of service and privacy policy before mm -hmm. I put it in the store and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's getting close to actually going in the Slack app store. Wonderful. It's so exciting also i'm reminded of uh when we were talking about this a few months ago like just the way that we were thinking about the scope of each of these projects <laughs> yeah i feel like in our heads it was like oh yeah like one maybe two days and then uh, you know it'll, it'll be ready to go but we've been consistently pushing this forward for two hours a day for the last several weeks and it's good we're making good stuff and i don't think we're 
you know, being uneconomical with how we're spending our time. Like we're not just twiddling our thumbs. I'm seeing what you're doing every problem. And I'm like, yeah, that was a good thing to work on. And that should have taken about that much time. Uh, and it's taken weeks. So I'm, I'm, uh, this feels like a very good recalibration of like how long things take. I think I, I tend to be very optimistic, uh, which part of that's good. Cause then I, I start projects more, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to better tune how long things actually take. Yeah. Yeah. And I sort of talked about this before too, but like, so say we have two weeks of two hours a day and maybe that's, you know, so that's like 10 hour, 10 hours times two, right. Of work. Yeah. Uh, and on a really good day, I can get like 10 hours of work done. Um, but I haven't had those days recently because I'm doing my master's program and my Kaggle competition. Yeah. Right. That's so, a good point. Like yeah. on, on the days where I'm just in flow and I'm feeling real manic and I'm just like, I forget to eat and I forget to, drink water and i don't exercise i can get a week's worth of work done in a day so maybe when i'm framing it like that's the sort of day that i'm imagining but then that's not sustainable like no yeah if i if i crunched the first whatever 12 hours of work that i did on this project in a single day i think i could have done that for like three days and then i would have just been like i'm done <laughs> so i <laughs> want to do anything else right. right um so i i think i'm further ahead than i would have been if i was just following that and at the same time like i'm living a balanced life i'm doing other stuff and i'm catching up on administrative stuff and this i i am reaffirmed that this is a productive system for what we're trying to get done yeah yeah i think so too um yeah it's I think I've said this before too, but it, it really uh, lets me manage my time better because I'm able to work on Slack stuff during the co-working time. And then the rest of the time I can, you know, actually do machine learning and, and stuff without feeling bad about ignoring the other. So, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. That is a, I, I just feel better. <laughs> like when the fourth palm is done, I can just do whatever else I want without guilt. I'm not, I'm not, I don't constantly have looming over my head. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing this flashcard thing, but I really should be doing file inbox because no, that, that's the deal with myself. I work on file inbox for four palms a day and then I get to do whatever I want. Um, I will say though, I, <laughs> I'm i curious what deal I would need to make with myself to be able to bump up the amount of time. Because looking back over this week, I we did four palms a day for every weekday, uh, but then I took Friday off and I meant to... Like, redo that on saturday but i ended up not doing that either uh i i worked on it for uh, eight hours and 11 minutes last week and a part-time job is 15 hours a week which is like twice <laughs> what i did yeah and like this is the main thing that i'm doing so i don't know i i guess i guess if you combine that with administrative work like that would get closer to those 15 hours um it just makes me i've never had a full-time job i've never had a job where like it's 40 hours a week I, so I, I think I just don't understand how someone could work on the same thing for 40 hours a week for decades. Yeah. Because, like, this is me working a lot on this. <laughs> like, more than I've been focusing on this in a while. And I understand the totally manic side of, like, if you're if you're working on it for 12 hours a day. But how how could you do that for consistently eight hours a day? That's That just seems like too many hours on the same thing yeah i don't understand how just everyone is not totally burned out yeah so i have had a job and i have uh worked consulting and so um i can say a few things about this one is uh you don't have teammates which means you don't have meetings yeah um, and you also don't have to like you know plan for the next sprint and you know do retrospectives and you know like all this stuff which takes up time probably like especially like when i was consulting probably half my time was spent just collaborating with other people okay. so by being a team of one you know no collaboration means about you know, take out 40 you know 20 of those 40 hours um okay. then the rest of the time the other thing about being on a team is you have to make sure like your code is readable and tested and all this stuff and that takes a bunch of time um and i don't do that <laughs> when i'm working by myself you know like uh I, I like try to go as fast as possible and all and all this stuff and i know where i can cut corners whereas like when you're on a team it has to be sustainable over you know years right yeah. whereas like this code may not work at all so just go real fast and if it doesn't work i can throw it away without feeling bad yeah um so that probably cuts you know the rest of that in half and so now you're back down to about you know your eight hours um 
yeah and then the other thing is uh, a lot of people just waste a lot of time at jobs <laughs> Yeah, mm. uh, uh, I won't incriminate myself uh, about doing anything <laughs> like that ever. But uh, when you're twittering on the clock, you know that counts towards your 40 hours. But uh, technically, is not work. So yeah, yeah, get get paid for pooping. All right. Okay. Well, that that's back in the reasonable range that it makes sense. Um. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The the especially the friction of having to talk to multiple people. I think. So that, that, I feel satisfied with my answer for like why everyone's not burned out. And at the same time, I would love to be pushing myself a little bit harder of like, Elon Musk is getting so much done. And uh, I, I feel like he's working for, you know, 60 hours a week. And all of those hours are as productive as my most productive hours. Um, so if there's a way that I could be either increasing my efficiency, which I'm constantly after, or increasing the number of hours that I can be working without resenting myself. Uh, I, I'm constantly on the lookout for ways that I could push both of those forward. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always some room for that. Like, we do have to, I, Resenting yourself is, is a key, like, thing, though. Like, I feel really good about the number of palms we're doing. If it was more, then I might not want to do it as much. You know, yeah. like, I would feel a little bad about it. Um, when it's just, you know, four palms a day, it's like, I can do that. No problem. So yeah. you, you have to worry about bumping up against the point where you start resenting yourself. And like, we've talked about this before, the, the way he gets Elon Musk gets that stuff is done and is, uh, he sleeps on the factory floor and he's had three divorces and he, yeah. like, so uh, that's not the life I want. So, and recently separated from Grimes, unfortunately, he's now with a, a uh, again, again, right. They had a second kid though. After that, did they? Yeah. They had a second kid. Are they back together? Last I heard, he was with an Australian model or something. Oh, okay. Maybe they <laughs> got pregnant before they got separated. Then I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That it, it comes at a sacrifice. So it, it is a game of trying to balance that resentment. Um, along these lines, I wanted to tell you something I, I was struggling with for the first few weeks that we were doing this was doing that one extra administrative palm. Right. I just had so much friction, and I, I remember telling you like, I don't want to do this because. I am risking that this entire thing comes crumbling down. And like, I really want to make sure that file inbox is locked in before I keep doing stuff. And something clicked for me this last week where administrative bombs became as fun as the file inbox bombs. Um, Cause it's all stuff that's like benefiting my life. Like yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's things and, and things in the category that I put in administrative bombs are like buying show tickets. And that's just a direct thing that like, cool i get to the process of buying the ticket isn't necessarily fun and uh if i had a more integrated system with my personal assistant i would be able to just say like hey buy me tickets for this thing but we're not quite there yet um so it's it's i've i've i don't know what exactly changed but i've i've flipped my framing on this as like this is a fun treat this is like a bunch it's a grab bag of a bunch of different stuff and yeah there's going to be some stuff that i don't really want to do like having to call my paramotor instructor and uh ask why i uh if if going today is going to be another waste yeah. of uh four hours um but that's if i if i intermix that with like oh and also i need to shop for smart light bulbs which is a thing i want to talk about later uh and email is is can be a mixed bag it's emails like a microcosm of this there's some emails that are really fun and positive things that i'm getting and there's some emails that are just like little hidden landmines that uh take up a bunch of time and emotional energy but i don't know something clicked and uh it, it doesn't feel hard or dangerous anymore to be doing that one extra palm on administrative stuff cool and that's you're just doing that on mondays that's one a week or is that one a day one a day what oh you've been doing one a day okay cool. yeah yeah <laughs> have i been doing one a day <laughs> <laughs> Where's my, oh, I can tell you exactly. Uh, oh, where is, oh, I didn't tag a lot of it for yesterday. Uh, three hours and 24 minutes for last week. Oh, all right. Which is one a day, right? It's more than one a day, yeah. More than, yeah, more than one a day, good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and it's, it's good, feels good. So cool. that's, along these lines, that feels like, I don't know what exactly changed. I think part of it was just like doing it. I remember for starting the file inbox bombs on, on day like two or three, I just, I woke up feeling like this is a drag. I don't want to do this. And then something clicked and I got in the rhythm of it and I had a few rewarding projects and all of a sudden it was fun. And since then it's just been easy and effortless. And whatever that thing was that happened feels like this last week it also happened for administrative bombs. So I'd love to figure out what that was. I think it's just 
keep doing it and be reasonable don't put yeah. too many expectations on yourself but now I, I feel like my identity has changed into someone who enjoys doing the administrative bombs cool yeah i mean that's good yeah i think there's a lot to just once you get started and it it wasn't awful your your world didn't come crumbling down you still had right. time to do other things right so yeah like just keep keep on keeping on feels good uh let's talk about home automation all right what what what's your <laughs> what's your current philosophy and ideas on home automation yeah uh so we have a smart thermostat and that's about it <laughs> we have uh we got that because we like the the app you know we can change the temperature from our bedroom we don't have to walk downstairs um yeah. and the rest of it i i haven't yet really seen the the benefit other than i would like something to tell me if my garage door is open or not and could close mm -hmm. it <laughs> that's the only other thing <laughs> um because like we left it open all night the other day which is not great <laughs> um stuff like that um, but yeah, uh, other than that, my, my only other experience is my parents have some smart light bulbs that they can turn on and off with Alexa, which is yeah, good because, yeah. you know, they're getting older. And so being able to turn on and off the light without, you know, getting up from the chair or whatever is good. But um, it also doesn't work like half the time. <laughs> yeah. So that has been my experience with home automation. Cool. As of so. So before Friday, I, I would have been exactly. Yes, that exactly that. Uh, down to like the only smart thing in uh, a home that I have experience with is the uh, smart thermostat by Nest, uh, which is great. You can like tell Alexa to change the temperature or whatever, and, and it works well. The smart AI stuff of it though, hasn't quite worked. Uh, it's it's in Sarah's condo and it, it like is very confused. <laughs> it does, it's not very smart. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I have experience with smart light bulbs, but uh, they're really expensive and hard to set up. and. Uh, so I, I don't currently have any in either of the living spaces that I'm in, but then Sunday happened. <laughs> and, um, I have been lamenting a little bit that like, I feel like some of my creative divergent energy has been more diffuse doing this file and box thing. Um, and on Sunday I had in my mind like, okay, well I'm a day behind on my palms. I should really do four file and box palms. But before doing that, like it's Sunday, we'll, we'll play around a little bit. I want to look into this uh, automation thing because I, I was talking about a project with Sarah where specifically in the bedroom, if we had lights that were uh, like uh, reflecting the sunset, mm, yeah. uh, it, it would be better for sleep. And we've both been working on trying to improve sleep. So <laughs> I started down this rabbit hole and I didn't stop for like, I don't know, nine hours. I just, <laughs> I just, I just learned everything there is to know about yeah. smart home automation systems and i have such strong opinions about the right way to do smart automation systems and i ordered like 300 dollars of stuff awesome <laughs> part of it it's just a lot of different stuff to test and oh man so i would like to present to you my <laughs> summary it's eventually going to turn into like a blog post and a video but here, here's the rough state that it's in right now my summary of what's what the best approach to smart home automation should look like right now uh are, are you ready <laughs> go for it all right so thank you <laughs> i want you to feel like you could say no but also i really want to i really want to talk about this uh so philips hue is like the apple of the space the idea with philips hue is you download the philips hue app and it has integrations with siri and alexa and uh apple home and you can get all the philips hue devices and then it all works pretty well together the problem with that is you're locked into a vendor philips hue is like two to five times more expensive than generic brands for this sort of thing. And their hardware's not as good, but their software game is the most on point. They have the, the best integration with stuff. They have the, the best variety of any individual, individual brand of features and stuff. And it's kind of weird the way it's, it's, it's sort of integrates together, but it also sort of doesn't. I think the way that most of these smart home automation brands want you to approach this is you pick your home assistant, like either Google or Alexa or Apple. And then you pick one brand of smart home stuff. Uh, Philips Hue wants you to, to pick Philips. And then you buy their light bulbs and you buy their switches and you buy their hub and then everything works together well. That's incredibly expensive and it's incredibly dependent on the uh, a single supplier. Because now if I want to go out to Walmart and buy a, a single bulb, like I can't. My, that, my, that light bulb is not compatible with my system. Another thing I don't like about this is it's really dependent on using a device uh, unless you get really in the weeds on like 
your your Apple uh, uh, automation kit, I forgot what they call it, but and then setting up rules on your phone for like, well, when this person's here, then turn on this light and, and do this other thing. Um, so two things I don't like about that are like, I don't, I don't like the vendor lock-in and I don't like that your automation is limited to interacting with it on a phone. I don't think that's the right environment to be interacting with this stuff. It's very complicated. It's like, it's, you're writing a program and the interfaces I've seen for doing this on your phone uh, aren't very good. It's, it's impressive that you're able to accomplish the type of complexity that you can with a phone, but like this stuff should be programming files and, and config files and things. There's another approach to take to it, which is like integrating everything in Wi-Fi. So if you have bulbs that are all connected to Wi-Fi, then you can start getting into like using if this, then that for automation. And now you can start getting into more of like doing automation on your computer. And now you're less dependent on uh, Google and Amazon and Apple as you're up. The problem with that is if your internet goes down, your house stops working. <laughs> <And> also, <laughs> it's really slow because the latency is like going up through the internet. So with all that in mind, I, I have a solution now that I think is the best solution where everything is local. There's no vendor lock-in. So you, you can buy whatever device from any manufacturer and it's all gonna work together. You can buy the Philips Hue. They have this really clever switch that, that goes over a traditional light switch. Uh, so you flick the light switch on, you, you screw this little switch on it. And then the switch is a button and a twist dial. And so now it's sending information that's like, if you wanna change the brightness or if you push the button, and then there's other smart things you could do, like it can recognize a double press or a hold. So you can, you can assign additional actions to that. Uh, if you're going the standard route, that only works with Philips bulbs. But hmm. with my technique of how I figured out how to do this, that'll work with anything. And if you wanna change that to like between four and 5 p.m. twisting that makes your music go louder, you can do that. Hmm. Uh, and here's the secret. You go a lower level than the brands doing the home automation stuff. You, you look at the raw uh, Zigbee is the wireless standard and MQTT is the messaging standard. So uh, Zigbee is analogous to Wi-Fi uh, and MQTT is analogous to like HTTP. Um, so you can have HTTP requests that are going through Wi-Fi and that, that's like the wireless band. Uh, this also accomplishes not clogging up your Wi-Fi network. Uh, Wi-Fi devices take a lot more energy Zigbee is really, really low energy. You can just take a button and stick it to the wall with a tiny button battery in it, and it's going to last for years. Um, you can't do that with Wi-Fi. Your Wi-Fi stuff has to be like plugged in or have a battery that's frequently charged. Um, and there's a whole community of people that have done this. There's specifically an open source app called Home Assistant, and from that you can download a plugin. I haven't quite implemented this yet, so I, I'm uh, I'm a little fuzzy on how this works, but a plugin called Zigbee to MQTT, and now you're on a computer. And I think the computer, like a server, is the best hub for this. Uh, Zigbee also is really clever with doing mesh networks. So if you have like plugged-in devices, those act as relays. So if you have an, an unplugged uh, button and you push the button and your hub for this is like way across the house, it'll go and bounce to like, oh, well, this light is on and connected to the internet. So first I'll go to the light, which is the closest thing to me. And then it bounces to wherever your server is. Uh, and through this, I think I'm going to be able to do everything I've always wanted. Uh, like, uh, I, I bought so much stuff from like AliExpress and Amazon, and uh, I can just buy the generic cheapo brand of light that's the best hardware, but the software sucks because I'm not using their software. I'm just looking at the raw data. It's it's transmitting this MQTT message over Zigbee. And then from that, I can do whatever I want with it. Um, so that's, I think, the best approach to home automation, and I'm excited to assemble this uh, smart house of my dreams. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, that sounds really neat. What all are you looking at doing? You can do lights. You can do. Are you doing like blinds and stuff like that? Are you doing? What are you doing? Yes, uh, blinds and lights make the most sense to do first. Specifically, lights like the, the biggest pain point. Like the thing, if I was going to sell this system to someone, is light management is incredibly important for sleep. If you're looking at bright lights late at night, that's that. I forgot the exact pathway, but it it inhibits a melatonin reuptake inhibitor or something it it it, it physiologically stops you from feeling tired uh, mm. if you're looking at bright lights specifically blue lights but if you can set up a system where all of the lights in your house shift at sunset down to like a, a more orangey sunset thing and then when it's bedtime shift down to red that's going to have the min and, and really uh dim that's going to have the most helpful uh uh well Red is still light, so it's 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 gonna have the least impact on uh, your sleep wakefulness. And then in the morning, really important, as soon as the uh, sun is up, well, uh, as soon as you wake up to, to reset your circadian rhythm, it's really important uh, to get 
sunlight, uh, just like as bright a light as you possibly can, because that's going to wake you up. That's going to reset you. So, so, you know, uh, your body knows that that's the time that the sun is going up. So for that, you either, well, you, you want the curtains to open. Uh, and then also at night, you want the curtains to close to, to block out any, uh, additional light. So that's, and, and like to get a system like that, you're probably looking at like $300 and a little bit of setup, uh, especially if you only do it in your bedroom. And the impact that that has on your sleep is so much more than $300. If, if you could sleep, you know, 10% better every night, I would make the case that that is worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, <laughs> right. in life improvement. Uh, that's just getting into like how much do you value your time and life improvement. But anyway, um, so that's the first thing I'm going to do. And then... Uh, going crazy with this and realizing that now I can just buy any cheap old device that supports the Zigbee standard. I think what I want is automatic lights anytime I enter a room. So I just never want to think about switching a light switch again. When I when I walk in a room, I want the lights to turn on. And then when I walk out of it, I want the lights to automatically turn off. And when I walk up to the front door, I want the front door to automatically open. And when I uh, am outside the house that I've left, I want it to automatically lock. And I could imagine future things I do with this of like, I have other automations built up on this of when I'm leaving the house, it updates my time tracker or, uh, uh, that's really the only thing I've thought about. Uh, and, and like in a situation where I'm trying to do some sleuthing of like, oh man, did I go back in and whatever, turn off the oven? Well, I think I went in, but you know, Sarah went in after this. So hold on. Did she go in before or after me? Cause she turned it on and I turned it off. Oh, let me look at the log. Oh, okay. You know, this was her leaving. So yes, the, the oven's off. That's, that's okay. Um, then there's some other things of like, there's water detectors and vibration yeah. sensors uh, and door open close detectors. So I got a bunch of those. Uh, I think the water detector is going to go under the sink. And then if there's a flood, uh, it <laughs> blasts an alarm and like text me or something. Um, and the door open close detectors, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do. I could have that like when you open a door to enter a room, that's one of the triggers that makes the, the lights turn on. Um, and then there's outlets, smart outlets uh, that I, oh, oh, that's another thing. Uh, this plugs into my ERV system. Right now, I have to manually shut on and off my ERV, but it's running a lot of the time when it doesn't need to. Uh, the main reason I have it is if CO2 gets too high. But what happens is I'll have it running, CO2 gets low, and then it's it continues running, but it doesn't need to. Uh, the only thing it's doing is like leaking temperature and humidity. So I'm going to make a Zigbee adapter for my ERV and then hook that up to an air quality sensor also on Zigbee, they sell mm -hmm. Zigbee things that just broadcast what the air quality is for a specific room. So now I'm going to have an air quality sensor in every room of the house. And uh, maybe eventually I'll have like an ERV in every room in the house too, or like <laughs> uh, uh, vents that, you know, turn on and off. Uh, but the, 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 the first automation I'm going to start with is just like only turn on the ERV when it's actually needed, uh, which is when you get this Zigbee MQTT message uh, that says that the CO2 is too high. Uh, so that's what I'm starting with. Cool. Um, yeah, that all sounds neat. I'm excited to see uh, where that goes. Uh, for water sensors, you talked about under the under the sink. Uh, my dad actually has water sensors as well, uh, hooked up to his networks. The most important places for those, if you hadn't thought about them, are under the water heater because you rarely check mm. that and that leak that like the whole bottom can fall out. Um, and then if you want, if you buy more, than under the dishwasher and the washing machine, um, cool. those are those leak far more often than and they leak a lot of water when they leak. So uh, yeah, that would okay noted. I yes, I'll have to do some digging in the in the house to figure out where that water heater is. I don't actually know where that is in either of these houses that I'm, that I'm living. In. Yeah, if you um, don't know where that is, I would look that up first. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> yeah, uh, something else that I saw someone do that I I didn't buy the thing for this yet, but uh, if your house has like a big uh, whole house shut off. Yeah. The video I saw of it is like in the basement, but I think the one for this house is on this, uh, like in the yard. Uh, they have Zigbee enabled devices that you can put on that thing that can be an automatic shut off. So you can set up a rule like if water starts leaking, uh, turn off the water to the whole house and then send a message saying what, what has happened. And that just seems magical. That would save potentially a lot of money. Uh, I, I, I just need to think about like, I don't know if I don't know if I have access to that valve in the place where I would need it. <laughs> so you, 
the other thing that I would say is uh, you almost certainly have a water shutoff valve in your house somewhere. Uh, mm. Figure out where that is because <laughs> that could okay. say, yeah, that could absolutely save you. Like if a toilet explodes or something, then you really <laughs> yeah, want to yeah. know where that is. Um, I had to do that actually at this yeah. house, the the one that I'm renting. Uh, last week, the shower wouldn't turn off. Mm. Uh, it, it turned on and it was just constantly flowing, but if you switch the valve, yeah. it, it wouldn't shut off. Uh, and I'm very proud of myself. I knew of the existence of the shutoff valve and I had seen it at my parents' house that it's like on the street. Uh, and I went out and found it and turned it off and I went back in and the water was still on. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I uh, went back out and found another one and then I turned oh. that one off. And then that was actually the one. What if it was like uh, ex- they, exterior water and interior water maybe or something? Yeah, I may have turned off the sprinkler system. I should probably make sure that one got turned back on uh but yeah like i don't that one in particular i think i need electricity and yeah to to be able to put this thing in and i well maybe that maybe it just has like a huge battery because it would only need to do that like once um my my guess is you have another shutoff inside your house unless so the water heater almost always has a shutoff for both cold and hot water right next to it um unless the so you live in Texas, and so it might be different there. So in Indiana, like the the water shut off outside. There is one outside, but it's really deep. It's, it has to be less, more than four feet deep. And so you need mm-hmm. a really big special tool to turn it off. Um, uh, I guess the valve comes up higher, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the actual shut off is always inside the house. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay, I need to do some sleuthing inside both these houses. Then the Sarah's condo. I know she doesn't have a water heater. I think it's like a condo-wide water heating oh, thing. Okay, yeah. um, I think. And then I have no idea where her water shutoff would be or even if... Well, she would have to have an apartment-specific shutoff, right? Yeah, like, I'm sure she does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because if, if you know, you're doing construction in uh, a condo, like you wouldn't want to shut off water to a whole group of condos. Yeah, okay. Okay, I need to find that and uh, figure that out. And then, man, what a what a what a super human I would feel like if like this automation system that I did actually worked, and like there was a flood, and it just immediately got shut off, and there's you know a gallon of water on the floor wherever that thing is, but you know, you we weren't home, and so right. we find out about this like a week later, or uh, you know, in a different state or country or something, and uh, the the response would have been like try to contact someone local who can drive out there and it's going to be a minimum of like two hours before you can get someone there to, to actually shut it off. And by then a lot of damage has been done to, uh, Oh yeah. My little robot that I installed, uh, automatically shut it off. <laughs> we can continue vacationing. Right. Uh, yeah. That'd be really cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, cool. yeah. That's why my dad started doing all this because his basement flooded, I think twice. Like, and he was like, ah, I'm Oof. fixing this problem. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, he, he, he lives in an older house and so his he has all sorts of problems with a sub pump like they don't make the style that style anymore and so we had to like figure it yeah anyway so that's benefits of living in a more modern house i guess but yeah. or an older house with more modern brains yeah sure yeah. it's a good retrofit uh second thing i would love to talk with you about i have been doing work off and on for my friend Trig, who's a professional magician and feels so much pride that like he's on TV doing tricks that we developed together. It's so cool. Uh, like I'm, I'm looking at, you know, an app on someone's phone and like on, on TV, they're showing like this person controlling a robot on stage. Uh, and I'm looking at the phone and like, I made that app and I made that robot do that awesome. thing. It feels really cool. Yeah. Um, and up until now, I've just been doing it for free because it's a, it's really fun projects. It's like figure out how to do like image manipulation. Well, I don't want to go into details on that one. Uh, uh, <laughs> magic. Exciting. <laughs> magic. <laughs> uh, it's things like, you know, figure out how to get this robot to, to work. And like, how fun is that? Uh, and he presented it to me as this project of like, I don't think this thing is possible. And I was like, oh, uh, let me try something real quick. And then four <laughs> hours later, like it works. Uh, nice. So that, that's such a rush for me. It's so much fun. Um, so he presented a project to me that I can't talk in too much detail about, but it, it involves sending text messages. Um, and he pitched it to me, and I think it's a really good idea. But, like, eh, there's nothing creative about it. There's nothing exciting of, like, that I, I think it'll be a fun technical challenger that I don't know that it's possible. I know exactly that it's possible, and I know that, like, what the work would want you to do. I just wasn't very excited about it. And I've been spending more money recently, so I have, like... <laughs> 
I, I can equate money to things that I would buy, uh, like for a contracting job of, uh, like two and a half grand, I can, I can say like, okay, well that would buy this paramotor stuff for, uh, this, this, uh, home automation, automation stuff. Um, so I uncharacteristically told him like, usually I would just say I'm interested in this or, or I'm not interested in this. And if I'm not, then he'd find someone else to do it. And instead I said, I can do this for money. And that's a novel thing to me. And I understand that's not a novel thing to other people. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not, not novel to you, but uh, I'm, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. On, he's super excited about it. He, he heard about that and was like, what? You'll do things. Well, that's what I've been wanting all along. Um, and I'm not, I, I don't know that I can quite articulate what my resistance was to doing that before. I think I think I didn't want to steal focus away from what I was doing. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm curious on your on your thoughts on that. If yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So uh, my normal reaction is, you know, yeah, do do stuff for money. That's great. Um, this is different though. So if if he's like a friend, so I have done work for friends before, and like whenever possible, if it's not going to take much time, and I'm excited about it, yeah, do it for free. Like yeah. you know, whatever. Um, uh, with no expectation as soon as you take money for a project then any project go with him going forward you're now going to have to do this weird dance of is this free or is this uh you know paid also as soon as he pays for something then the expectations are different like he might expect support and you know yeah, like yeah. stuff like that um so your relationship will, with him will change um so just think about that um the the other things you can do are say you know I can help you find someone that will do it for money. Like if mm -hmm. you, you know, want to do it, whatever. Um, and then the other things are like, I'm guessing uh, magicians probably don't have that much money to spend on tricks. Maybe they, right. maybe they do. <laughs> um, but if it's not that much money, then now you'd be working for a price which might feel too low. And that actually often feels worse than doing it for free. Mm -hmm. um, so the things I've done in the past also for things like that are like, uh, you know, I will work for, you know, I, like, uh, I want this neat, you know, $200 item that I can't justify possibly spending it on. And, yeah. you know, if you were to pay me, it would be 10 grand, but I will accept the $200 item as, you know, <laughs> something like that, you know, or, you know, like paid in, you know, free food or drinks or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so, something intangible. That's not like something he's been able to get for me is like backstage access to famous magicians right. and like tickets at the, at the, uh, magic castle and things. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah. Or take me out to dinner at some crazy fancy restaurant that I would never go to myself, you know, something yeah, yeah. like that. Um, th those are, and, and that's still, you know, 10% of the price he would have paid. Uh, yeah. but you know, then it becomes a nice, uh, you know, an experience for both of you. Um, so those are some things. Uh, the, the other option is, yeah, just, just take the money for it. You know, like, um, I have done work for friends for money that hasn't necessarily changed a lot about our, you know, our relationship or anything like that, but it does add a dynamic to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that angle. That's a really good characterization that once you take money for something, your relationship changes. He has more expectations that I'm going to support this. And that's something we talked about last night. Uh, and also now there's this weird dance of, am I doing something for free or is this paid? I like that. Hmm. I was feeling really gung-ho about this. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. That's that's what I wanted. Um Hmm. The, the other thing might be so with entertainment, it might be possible for him to get it done without him paying for it. So, as an example, you said he went on a TV show recently. Yeah. If the TV show has a budget, then maybe they could pay you. Something like that. Um I think he wouldn't want to do that. Because then well, like he the TV the show trick. is paying him yeah. to be on, uh, but then he but, went on the trick, yeah. And also, would they own the thing then? He's right. he's very secretive and wants to like keep everything close to his chest. If that then it's a thing that only he has, that only he knows how it works. And uh, magic is an industry so weird, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's that's the way it works. The other thing you could do uh, is you could offer to. Uh, uh, do it for him by teaching him how to do it himself. Does he have any I've been desire trying to do that to for learn how to code? Decades. Yeah, <laughs> I, he so does. But my gosh, this guy does so many things. It sounds like he's doing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's managing his own business, and man, a typical week for him is like involves five flights. Uh, it's yeah. nuts, and the stuff he brings with him is like suitcases. I, I went with him on a trip to I think it was Panama. I think it was Panama. 
um he got me on a, a disney cruise for free it was really really cool nice uh yeah uh so I guess I guess the mode that we've been in is like trading favors instead of trading money. Uh, right. But he he needs so much stuff, and so I think if there was if there was a simpler way for us to be interacting like this, it would be like more cool stuff would get made if we can figure out a way to, to navigate that dance. Um, yeah, I mean, but the other the, thing is, I mean, he might just have a budget. You know, like if he has a number in mind and a, it matches up, then yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't stop you from taking money for your time. Obviously, yeah, um, yeah which he does and you mentioned like magicians don't have a lot of money and you're correct but he he mentioned a figure uh like uh two two to four grand for this tech messaging app and serendipitously i've built something really similar on the back end to the thing that he wants just for myself and so me looking at this i'm like well i would just need to go from the thing i already have to like these changes on the surface and in my head i'm thinking like this will take me a day so i don't know how accurate that is so probably two weeks <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and like for a day of mental work for two and a half grand i'm like yeah <laughs> I, would, I would do that uh and even if it's a week like yeah that makes sense I, I, I would do that um a question i have is when you do consulting how do you how do you handle maintenance what's what's the way to handle scope creep and if they want changes made and stuff yeah it varies a lot but just make sure it's in the contract so a lot of my contracts were actually like um i will work half of my time for a certain price per month so that, that was like my favorite contract to do um because it's there's no scope creep right i mean the scope creep is like it, this will take longer like if you want more stuff done then you know like say say we thought it was going to take three months at you know half my time then it might take four months and if you're willing to pay that then sure i'll just you know extend the contract by another month um so i i did only a few fixed uh so like fixed scope projects um mm -hmm. be exactly because of that reason and yeah you my only advice there is to like over communicate about things so mm -hmm like in the statement of work, it doesn't have to be in the contract itself, but in the statement of work, just like put exactly what you're going to do. And then if that changes, you know, there is some reasonable number of changes that will happen, you know, once you get into it and realize what's possible or, you know, whatever, like mm -hmm. some reasonable amount of changes. But yeah, if, if it goes beyond that, just be like, you know, that's beyond the statement of work. So I can always offer a trade-off is, is my recommendation there. So it'd mm -hmm. be like, I could do this and it would take this much longer and cost this much more, or I could do this, but that means that this doesn't get done you know so like uh, always present a couple different options um and usually the, the person will just be like oh i didn't realize it was a lot of work just don't do that mm. like uh, often what people ask for as changes are uh not like optional changes <laughs> uh, is what mm. i found so yeah i don't know if that helps in this situation but yeah offer offer alternatives and over communicate i don't think i understood what you said about half time that half of your time was oh yeah so say i have 40 hours a week to work then i will sell you basically 20 hours a week uh per month so like they're mo okay. usually monthly contracts yeah okay you're 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 not signing fixed scope contracts you're you're not, selling not, a certain amount of your time per week per, per yeah month. so i okay. i started by doing a few fixed work things and on one of those i really made out really well and mm -hmm. another i really went underwater and mm -hmm. like i don't want this crazy dance every time um so when i was doing consulting like full-time i would have often like one half-time project and then maybe i would pick up a couple fixed work or like um like just variations on fixed work i guess there, there's lots of ways you can you can splice it but yeah i, I like i liked selling time for money per month um okay yeah for stability this project to me and i'm sure i'm going to be eating these words later has a very <laughs> limited scope like i know exactly what's entailed with it i've i've done all the hard technical things that there are to do with it um, and I feel very comfortable with a, with a comfortable margin for twenty four hundred dollars. Like, I could I could swallow several changes and uh, still be ahead, and I could, I could encounter several layers of unknown difficulty and, and still be fine. Um, I think specifically what I'm curious about is like, if if he then wanted to say like, oh, actually, yes, this is the thing that we agreed on, but. I would love so much better if there was this whole other thing. Um, I guess we could we could just renegotiate from that perspective. But I think I think specifically what he's wanting to iron out is like if there's if there are small changes that he wants to make, what's our ongoing agreement of how those small changes get done? Is it just 
an hourly rate after that. And I, I keep track of the amount of time. And then when he asks for a change, I give him an estimate of how long I think it'll take. Um, I'm not sure how to do that dance. Yeah, that, that's one reason I don't like small projects because like, for example, your negotiation on your like statement of work after the thing, initial thing is done, like say that takes you an hour or two to put the documents together and then the work takes an hour. Well, like that's yeah. you know, now you're doing more dance in the, in the you know, negotiation than you are in the work. Yeah. Um, uh, also things like, so he's a magician. Th- this, this probably will break half an hour before a show. You know, what's his expectation of yeah. the server, like maintenance going forward, yep. you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah. We have a pretty good history of me building stuff that he uses live in the show. Um, and sometimes it does break. Uh, but like, as far as I'm aware, it works most of the time. <laughs> and if it breaks, it's usually not my fault. Um, <laughs> and uh, part of showbiz, I think it's just like you have multiple outs. If something's if something completely yeah. breaks, you just say, like, well, I guess it's broken. On to the next thing. Look at this How card about trick. a card trick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we, we have a lot of built-up trust of like the stuff that I made for him just for free in exchange for, you know, Disney cruises. <laughs> right. Uh, has worked really well for him and it's stuff that he's like performed on TV that has worked well. So, Hmm. I think I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do like a really simple, uh, this much per hour for additional changes as a, you know, outside of the scope and for each change, we can talk about it beforehand and, uh, I can give you a rough estimate of how many palms I think it'll take. Uh, and you get two palms per hour. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds like, the better and closer your working relationship has been and and is the easier these changes are um i don't necessarily see any giant red flags or anything like i i think it'd be fine yeah if you want to if you want to make some money then yeah and and if he said two to four grand and you charge him two and a half then that gives him a budget for changes later too so yeah 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 cool okay okay i'm back to feeling good about this um okay i'm glad you can buy a new motor or something exactly <laughs> there's oh man sarah's making so much fun of me i want to buy an electric one i own a gas one it's yeah. very expensive and the electric ones are so cool <laughs> they they have such limited range though so like it sort of does make sense that i would want both but uh, oh man i don't need this i don't need it at all but how, it's so cool how, how would you fly once and then <laughs> how okay how, clo- how close are you to fly well once, okay but way. here's here's a dimension of that is it's much easier to learn on the electric one because yeah. the gas one is like a whole thing of like you got to start the engine and you got to make sure the pump's primed and it's just a lot more complexity and the electric one has a very limited range you can only fly for like half an hour but when you're learning you're really just doing takeoffs and landings yeah and the complexity of the electric one is just like you pull the throttle and then it starts going so it would kind of be safer if I get the <laughs> electric one. Really, it makes sense. <laughs> but then once I learn, I'm going to need to keep the gas one because I'm going to want to be flying for much longer. So I think I just convinced myself to get it. <laughs> I think as soon as this contract goes through, I'm absolutely going to buy it. Oh, now you got to charge money for it. Just uh, No, I got to. Buy your electric frame runner. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I want to do a quick... Uh, recap of what I did on file inbox. Uh, I am totally on track to finish for my friend Brian Richards for uh, the recording conference talks. Uh, I, I, it's possible tomorrow he'll be able to do it and I'll, I'll have a working beta. Some rough edges of like email notifications are going to get sent out, but it feels really good. Um, so summarizing this at the level of a week, uh, I had just started last week on the screen and video recording. And this last week, I polished it all off. And you got to see a lot of the frustration with that. You called it building a moat that, like, handling all these stupid edge cases of stuff uh, now puts me in a position where it's much harder for other people to do this. And, like, now that I've ironed this all out. So it it was a slog to get through, but I I have it figured out now. Yeah. And that came from uh, the Art of Product podcast. That's where I heard that. And I think they stole it from somewhere else, too. But, yeah, building a moat. (laughs) Good. I hope someone else steals it from us. Um so I I finished that whole component. It's the most complicated component in my entire app. There's a lot going on. There's streams and blobs and uploading and, and multiple different states. And my gosh, the number of different ways that you can, for three toggles of like your camera and your uh, microphone and your screen, there's what, three factorial different combinations? Six? Oh, six actually doesn't sound like that many. Uh, it's a lot. There's six, six for, different combinations. Of well, for every one of those, too, it could be on or off. You could have select all your different, like you were struggling with microphone selection and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, mir- if you... Mirrored or not mirrored. 
yeah, mirrored, not mirrored. Also, if you record something and then you're watching the recording and you want to re-record, so you cancel it and you go back, now you have to delete the blob and reset the camera. And that was an edge case that didn't work at all and totally should have. But I figured out a way around it that like if you shut it off and then request it again, then it comes back on. So yeah, it was, it was a lot. Uh, and it's I'm sure there are edge cases I'm not <laughs> taking care of right now. And I'm sure I'll find out about them once Brian actually starts using this. But uh, we're going to get something that has a happy path through it that works <laughs> on Google Chrome yep. if you don't do any of these other things. Uh, and actually get that uploaded. Uh, so that feels good. I had an interesting tidbit that I, I just wanted to mention briefly. Uh, I th There are two hard com problems in computer science. Uh, cache invalidation, naming things, and off-by-one errors. And I yes. encountered the second of those two problems uh, this last week. Trying to name the thing that is the collection of data that someone enters into a form that someone has built. What is that thing called? So like you've, you've made a form, and I, I call that a page uh, uh, for legacy reasons. It's, a, it's an upload page. Um, and you create that and you say, okay, I, I want someone to enter their email and I want someone to upload these files. When someone visits your page and enters that data and then hits send or upload or whatever, what is that blob of data called? Uh, and I talked about that with you and you uh, had two great recommendations of like, a, a, you could call it a response or, or data. Um, actually one, one good response. <laughs> data's yeah, not I good, think, I don't like data. I don't think data's, data's any good. Data's too ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was just an interesting thing of like, my, my initial impulse was to call it a submission but I, I kind of don't like that word. That has a, a, a bad context. Um, <laughs> same with like master does. I think uh, yeah. there's a wave in, in computer science to change things from master to main, uh, particularly in Git. And I was thinking like entry or answer, uh, but I settled on response. And I guess that's it. Naming things is hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like the name response. Yeah, hearing that all again, I think I would still choose response. That's probably what I'd choose. But yeah, I mean, if you get the if you get the thing wrong, then it's stuck in your app, you know. Unless you want to, and there's never a good time to like refactor that, you know. It's yeah. like yeah, so you're just stuck with this sort of mental debt forever if you name something wrong. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's mental debt. <laughs> I had that with uh, the old file inbox on Rails. I wanted to call files files, but there is a native file object in yeah. Ruby, so you can't call it a file. So I named it a file upload, and just yeah. I I have typed out the word file upload thousands of times and i wish there was a better name for it but uh, and yeah. like it's not worth it to change it because it's gonna break so many things if i try to change it that's that's a that's a minefield i don't want to walk across um but also Did, at the same time i don't want to get mired in like this oh, i have to think of the perfect name because then i'm just going to be paralyzed and not move forward right. so uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a delicate balancing act we had when so back when i had a job uh there was a very interesting um case of this where we were tracking things, right? And what do you call a thing that you're tracking? Well, we call it an item, uh, but item is very generic. Um, yeah. But it worked. It worked when we did it, but it was. It kind of had this weird result, which is whenever we had to add functionality, we always just added it to item because item is pretty generic, right? Yeah, yeah. And so in the end, it would have been better if we probably split out different things. Um, but for velocity and stuff, you know, like just picking a name and sticking with it was was fine. Um, but yeah, every time I typed item, I was like, that's very generic. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I like that angle on it, yeah, that if you're not naming something specifically enough, there can be scope creep in what that thing does. That's an angle I hadn't considered. I'm reminded of, I think uh, the, the novel's name is The Name of the Wind. Um, mm. It's it's a sci-fi fantasy novel where uh, the idea is that there are these magicians and the, the way that the magic system works is if you get the power to name things, then you can like manipulate the world. And I remember the first time I heard that thinking like, ah, oh, that's kind of hokey, <laughs> naming things. Like, okay, whatever. But like, yeah, that's kind of what gives you power over things. If you can name them, if you can define like the, this is the edge of the tiger, this is what a tiger means. Now I can throw all these attributions at the tiger. Uh, I, I have power over the tiger now. Now if I see a tiger, I can run away from the tiger or I can uh, throw a spear at the tiger versus if it's sort of hazy and ambiguous and there's not a name for the tiger. Well, now it's just like, there's me and there's not me and sometimes things that are not me hurt me and try to eat me what what you can't really do anything with that like uh and it's so salient in software like it that it really is a hard thing to be able to define like okay this is the edge of the boundary of this thing and this is what this thing is responsible for and oh it's it's getting a little too big Ooh, chop that off make it its own thing and name it this other thing uh 
naming things is a surprisingly demanding intellectual task. Yeah. Yeah. I've used that before that names have power and I, th- I don't know. I, maybe it comes from that novel. I don't know. Um, but yeah, in like a couple different ways, it's very, very important. Like one is like you've mentioned before that the audio on this podcast sometimes gets crinkled or crackled or yeah. we don't know if we knew the name for that, then we could Google for it and we could yeah. find the answer and we can fix yeah. it. But we can't. So we don't, right. Um, or we don't, so we can't. Uh, so yeah. Um, and then the other thing I'll, uh, mention is like, so in my twenties, when I started experiencing anxiety, um, I did not have the name anxiety for it. I had mm. like, I feel gross when I'm in a car and I feel like yeah. all these generic weird symptoms. Um, yeah. But as soon as I had the name anxiety for it, I could link all these things together and then I could actually tackle it with like solutions. Um, so yeah, it, getting a name for something important. Those are really good tie-ins. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, this crinkling audio problem has power over us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we got to name it so we can, we can flip the power imbalance. Uh, fantastic. Chris, that's all I got. That's all I got too. Then I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Actually, tomorrow. I'll see you, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Have I been saying next week? I've been seeing you every day. I'll yeah, see you tomorrow. Everybody else will see us next week. The, yeah, I'll see, I'll see you, the visitors, next week. Uh, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>